Praise the Lord, everybody. I want you to clap your hands to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Come on, that's pretty good, but let's give him a great hand clap of praise. He's worthy. Come on, let's love him all over the house. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In the state of North Carolina, there is a large billboard, and on that billboard it reads, in a town where there's an Air Force base where large fighter jets fly overhead. There's a lot of noise as those fly, fighter jets fly overhead, and so they put a large billboard up, and on that billboard it reads, pardon the noise, for it is the sound of victory. Noise and victory is connected together. Some folks don't like a noisy church, but where there's victory, where there's joy, where there's peace, where there's the power of the Holy Ghost, we can't help but lift our voice, lift our hearts, and praise this great God. Won't we do it all over this house together? Let's magnify this great God. Come on, let's exalt him and magnify him. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, has God been good to anybody in this house? Woo. The psalmist said, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. We might as well start this revival art right tonight. We might as well just praise God like we want to praise him. Come on. You ought to take a little time where you are and magnify God the way you want to magnify him. Woo! Hallelujah. Come on. There's something about this Holy Ghost. It'll make you do something you normally wouldn't do. I just come to praise him tonight. Come on, I've come to magnify him tonight. Come on, he's worthy on this Saturday night. We might as well come in here and have some apostolic church tonight and let Jesus be God in this house. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Well, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not real emotional. Well, when your one-year-old or 11-month-old took its first step, you was emotional because it was a step of victory. You was happy that that infant went from crawling and pulling up to the place where he could put one foot. Little Johnny could pick up one foot and make a step, and he would stumble, maybe fall, but get back up. You celebrated every time he fall and he got back up. You celebrated we took another step. Come on now. And you say you're not emotional. Now, come on, somebody. He's done so much for me. Jesus didn't just take a step. Jesus died for me, shed blood for me, paved the way for me. Come on. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Woo! Come on, I feel the Holy Ghost wants to help us here tonight. Hallelujah, hallelujah. 
I don't know how far a drive that it is from Oklahoma City to here because I flew from, I was in San Angelo, Texas last night, and I'm here in Austin tonight, and um, it's, a, it's a long stretch from Oklahoma City to here. There's a lot of concrete and asphalt you'd have to drive on to get from here to there. But there's one thing that I know about stones, that if I don't cry out and I don't worship him, I don't magnify him. Wouldn't it be funny to see hundreds of miles of concrete start making noise for Jesus because I wouldn't worship God? Come on, he'll raise up some stones to replace me. I don't know about you, but I want to be a worshiper of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, hallelujah. I want to, I want to praise his holy name. I want him to be lifted up. I want him to be high and exalted. How many... How many want the glory of God to fall in this revival? You want the power of God to fall in this revival? Come on. This revival is going to be just as good as you want it to be. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, if you want a good revival, it's on your back to have a good revival. Newsflash. If you don't bring anybody that, doesn't, that don't have the Holy Ghost, and if there's nobody here that needs the Holy Ghost, we're not going to have anybody that gets it. But if we'll get some folks in here and invite some folks, or maybe you're here tonight and you don't have it, tonight's a good night for you to receive the Holy Ghost. But if we want an awesome display of the power of God, we got to come expecting. we got to come with open arms and open mouths. Come on, a closed mouth don't get fed. You got to open your mouth if you want something from the Lord. <laughs> well, maybe I need to go back to Oklahoma. Blind Bartimaeus got a miracle for crying out loud. Come on. Let me, let me just address that old intimidating spirit that says, now, don't, don't be, just be careful. Don't get out of line. Don't be too loud. Don't be too crazy. I mean, we're in Austin in this nice building up here on the highway worth all kinds of money, and we got to be really careful. Let's be calm, calculated, and cold. Come on, Bartimaeus. Won't you just calm down? Won't you, won't you just be quiet? Won't you just chill out? I mean, just, just, just take it easy. No, no, the Bible says he cried the more a great deal. Guess who stopped in his tracks because blind Bartimaeus refused to calm down. He refused to be passive, but Jesus stopped in his tracks. Come on, I want, I want to get his attention tonight. I want, my God, have mercy. I want him to be lifted up tonight in this house. I want the glory of God to fall among us. Somebody clap your hands and give God some praise. Give him some praise tonight. Woo! Come on, let's praise him for a moment. Let's magnify him for a moment. Let's give him glory for a moment, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Touch your people here tonight. Touch 
touch your people here tonight. Touch your people here tonight. Touch your people here tonight. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Somebody shout hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. See, what you just did is you turned a service. You just turned it up. You said, you know what? It's a Saturday night. We might as well just have throw down apostolic church. You got to stir the gift of God sometimes. You got to stir it up a little bit. Come on, you're if you're making no-baked cookies, if you don't stir those no-baked cookies, they're going to get burnt and stick to the bottom of the pan. You may be stuck here tonight because it's been a long time that you've been stirred. You need to stir some stuff up and get off the bottom of the pan. Come on, I'm talking about some old prayer warriors. You used to worship and dance and shout. It's been years since you responded because you got too comfortable. Come on, you're telling me the blood of Jesus was great for you 20 years ago, but now it's got waned. It's not as powerful and not as potent and not as important to you. The devil is a lie. There still is power in the blood. There still is power in the blood. Hallelujah to God. Praise God. I guess I'll quit so I can preach. John chapter number 20. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. Tonight, the Holy Ghost is going to take wounds that this church has endured and turn them into scars. Tonight, things in your past, things that has hurt you, cut you and scarred you. Tonight, God is going to heal the wounds, and there's going to be a scar of healing, of a sign of what the Holy Ghost is doing in you, through your church, and through your family. If you believe that, somebody ought to give God some high praise right now. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, do it tonight. In the name of the Lord, I pray. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Give honor to Pastor Green and his wife and their amazing three children. God bless them. I asked the middle one if she's going to help me preach, and she just kind of looked at me. And I said, I said, just help me a little bit. That's what I told her. And she kind of looked at me and smiled. So if I got, if I got, if I got the children on my side, I, I ain't worried. We're going to be good. Praise God. God bless them. Love them. I'm honored to be with you, all the saints of God. Thank you for opening up to me already. Some of you have put walls down already. And... Uh, I'm just believing God to do some tremendous things here tonight. Amen. I declare this night a night of emotional healing. I declare this a night of healing of things in your past, how people's treated you, what's happened to you. Tonight is a night of forgiving others. It's letting people go so you can be free. Well, praise God. Mm. Well, praise God. It's going to happen for somebody may just be a couple, may just be a few, may just be a family, but I believe tonight if we'll let some stuff go, God can bring some healing to this body. Yes, he can. Yes, he can. John chapter number 20, verse number 24, when you find it, shout hallelujah. You see it off the screen? It's right there, so you have it already. Let's bump to 24 instead of 25. The Bible said, but Thomas, one of the 12 called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord, but he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands the print 
of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days, again, his disciples were within and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus. Notice, notice what the Bible said. Jesus came, the doors being shut. Somebody needs to get a revelation right there. That even though the door shut, Jesus can still come in beyond the shut door. Well, I need God to open the door. No, your God's big enough. He don't need a door open. He can come right in with a closed door. Well, Jesus came with the door being shut and stood in the midst and said, He came to where they were with the door being shut with a word for them. I don't care how closed up it is. I don't care how locked down it is. I don't care what's closed off. Jesus can come right where you are, right where you need him, and give you the word that you need to hear. Praise God. Peace be unto you. Then saith he to Thomas, this further proves that Jesus was God because Jesus was not there when Thomas was running his mouth, except I see and except I feel and except I know for sure. But Jesus walked right in that closed door, further proving to us and to them he was the almighty God because he knew exactly what Thomas had said. Oh, hallelujah. And he said, reach hither thy finger and behold my hands and reach hither thy hand and thrust it into my side and be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. Let me preach to you for my contribution this evening. I'll preach to you from this thought. What scars speak? What scars speak? Brother Matthew, thank you so much for picking me up today. He took me to Bucky's, and I got some Bohemian garlic beef jerky to take home. And he wouldn't let me pay for it, so that makes it that much better. Praise God. But thank you for blessing me and uh, for picking me up. Amen. How many of you want the Lord to do something tremendous for this house here tonight for you? Amen. Here's the deal. I, I want you to res respond and preach with me here tonight. And I want you to mix your faith with what I'm saying to you. The Bible says, that I believe in the book of Hebrews, that the word did not profit them because they did not mix faith with it. You've got to mix faith with what I'm saying. It's not good enough just to agree in your heart. You've got to confess with your mouth and trust what God is saying. He's saying it to you. Let me say this. If I say anything to you while I'm preaching that ministers directly to you, you need to know your pastor's not been talking to me about you. It's the Holy Ghost talking to you. So receive it as God's word. I receive that. I believe it. I'm going to apply it to my life and let God talk to you. Quit analyzing everything that goes on, trying to figure it all out. His ways are higher than yours. His thoughts are past finding out. Hey, Flash, you can't figure out God. You can't figure him out. You can't number him. You can't measure him. You can't figure him out. He's one all by himself, and he's big and bad and rough and amazing and wonderful, and you're not big enough or smart enough to figure him out. He's doing something. He's working on your behalf, and you can't figure it out, so quit trying. Quit trying to figure him out. Quit trying to trace him and just trust him. 
Some of you is nervous already. God bless you. you. May be seated in the name of the Lord. What scars speak. There isn't a person in this room. There's not a person in this room that don't have one. Unless you're a little bitty baby and you haven't got one bump or nick or one fall down, more than likely everybody in this room has a scar on your body. You could probably take me to the place where it was, what happened to you. Maybe you was riding the little bicycle, riding along, and you hit a little bump, got a little shaky, fell over, and you busted your knee. I don't know. We could sit around here and talk about my, my biggest scar, uh, my, my, my biggest boo-boo, if you want to call it that way. I was six years old in Moss Bluff, Louisiana. We lived a couple of blocks from the church, and we lived in a, a little bitty trailer, and my mom had a coffee table, and on that coffee table there were big uh, brass covers on the corner of that coffee table, and I was chasing my sister through the house, and I tripped and fell, and I reached out to grab my oldest sister, and when I did, my knee hit that piece of brass on the corner of that coffee table and ripped my leg open above my knee. I've got a scar about four or five inches long, about a half inch in diameter. I had to get stitches inside and outside to heal up or bring together the tissue so it could heal. That's probably my worst scar on my body. Many of you could go around, we could compare scars. You say, I was doing this and fell off the tree. I jumped off the neighbor's house in a little kiddie pool and I almost broke my neck. And you got a big old nasty scar on your body. But everybody in the house, you guys got to lighten up here tonight. Everybody in the house more than likely has a scar somewhere. A scar is an amazing thing for in fact it's a natural part of your body's healing process. A scar results from a biological process of wound repair in the skin and other tissues. Most wounds, except from very minor ones, result in some degree of scarring on your body. Scars can result from accidents, diseases. They can come from skin conditions such as acne or even surgery. Amen. I, I am of the opinion, and I think you'll all agree with me here tonight, that our God can do anything. He is a God of impossibility. He can make a way where there seems to be no way. He, he can take nothing and speak and something happen. He, he can say into the chaos of darkness, he can say, let there be light, and instantaneously there was light. He's a God that can take the dust of the earth and breathe into us the breath of life, and we can become a living soul. There is nothing to hard for God. Well, I feel a little help coming right now. If the devil said it wasn't going to happen, it's a good indicator it's about to happen. If the devil said there wasn't any way it could come to pass, it's a pretty good indicator it's just around the corner. If the devil said not on your life, not this year, not in your lifetime, you'll never see it, you'll never handle it, you'll never experience it, it's a pretty good indicator that the devil sees some spiritual activity that's on 
on the horizon of something that's about to break loose and something that's about to break out that he has no power and no authority over because God will be God and God will do exactly what he said he would do in his due season. God, I feel the Holy Ghost helping us here tonight. God can do anything. Nothing is too hard for God. Sarah, I don't care how old you are, I'm going to give you a boy in his name. Hey, Abraham, I don't care how old you are, I'm going to return the life of your wife, and she's going to conceive, and you're going to have a son of the promise. Come on, you can go through Scripture. It's not in my notes. I don't mean to be here, but I'm telling somebody in this house, you serve a God that's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you could ever ask or think. Is there anything too hard for God? His hand is not too shortened that it cannot save. His ear is not too heavy that he cannot hear. He can do all things well. He can do all things amazing. He can do all things wonderful, for in fact, he is wonderful. He can do all things like a father would do for his son, for in fact, he is the father. Come on, he's the way maker. He's the one that is to come, the almighty. He's the everlasting father. He's the beginning and the ending. Come on, he, he knows the ending from the beginning. He, he's the alpha and the Omega. He's the rose of Sharon. He, he's the bride and the morning star. He's a healer. He's a way maker. He is a provider. There is no God like your God. Praise God. I had about 15 of you with me. They're standing, responding. I, maybe Jesus never done anything for y'all before, but I remember when I was sick and he healed my body. I remember when I needed forgiveness of sin and he forgave me. I remember when I needed him to move in some situations, and I called on the name of Jesus, and he began to move some situations in my life. Woo! I'm here because what he's done for me. I'm here because he's helped me. I'm here because he established me. I'm here because he loves me. Woo! Somebody clap your hands and give him praise. Give me a little bit more monitor. Monitor. Amen. But this amazing God, he could have made your flesh in such a way that it would not scar when it heals. Hmm. There's something amazing about your tongue. Your tongue is made of a mucous membrane. That mucous membrane is, is less prone to scar when it's torn. How many of you ever bit your tongue? Do you have a scar on your tongue? Probably not. Because the tongue is the only part of your body that when it gets wounded or cut, that it very rarely ever scars. It's one of the fastest healing parts of your body. Unless you've had a major catastrophic surgery, and you had cancer in your tongue or had part of it cut out, or you maybe bit it off, you probably will never get a scar on your tongue. But isn't it amazing that which heals itself and never scars can be the thing that you use the most to scar others with your mouth? Well, here we go. 
you got to be careful when you use that tongue. It's like a hammer. On one side, you can build somebody up and edify them. On the other side, you can cut them and tear them up and tear them down. We need some apostolic people that will build each other up. When he starts saying, you may be down, but you're going to get back up. You may have made some mistakes, but you're going to get some stuff right. You may have made some wrong choices, but you're about to make some good choices. You may have went down some wrong roads, but you're about to turn down the right road. We need some brothers and sisters that when you see your brother down and out, quit mocking them and making fun of them and kicking them while they're down. Pick them back up and say, hey, you belong here. I'm going to help you through this. I'm going to mock. I'm going to love you through the divorce. I'm going to love you through the abuse. I'm going to love you through the pain. I'm going to love you through the process. I'm going to be here for you when the devil kicks you while you're down. I'm going to come along and pick you up. Where are the good Samaritans in this apostolic church that said, I'll love you enough to pick you back. I'm not going to use my tongue to tear you down. Come on, I bind the lie that says you don't belong here. We don't, we're don't. going to let that flapping tongue talk to us around here. We're not going to let the tongue of the enemy do that to us. And I'm not going to let a brother or sister say I don't belong in this church. He shed blood for you like he shed blood for me. Come on, it's a lie of hell that says you don't belong in this church. It's a lie of hell that says there's another way you belong somewhere else. No, you belong right where you are. God's positioned you and placed you right where he wants you to be. I feel the spirit world trying to push somebody out of this body. I feel the spirit world of the hell trying to push you out of this assembly, saying you don't fit here. People don't understand you here. You don't belong here. Come on, that's a lie of hell. It's a lie. You hear me in the Holy Ghost. That is a lie. You belong here. I wish somebody just say that. I, I belong here. I'm a part of the body of Christ. I'm connected to something bigger. I'm connected to something stronger. I'm connected to something Jesus died for. I, I have tied myself into the body of Christ. When I got baptized, I got baptized into this body. I put on the nature of Christ. I put on the mind of Christ. I'm a new creature in Christ. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I belong here. I fit here. Come on, you're not a square peg in a round hole. You fit here. You belong here. You say, I feel out of place. That's the devil lying to you. Now, if you're not right with God and you're under conviction, that's a good thing. That's God trying to get you to clean up. He's trying to get you to walk right, to talk right. Those are good feelings. But if you're feeling feelings, I don't belong here. I think I'm going to quit coming. I'm going to find another place. I belong somewhere else. I don't need to be here. Come on, that's that tongue that's trying to cut you. It's a tongue that's trying to take you out. Somebody, if you ain't getting me. I ain't getting out of here. I'm going to keep coming. I'm going to keep worshiping. I'm going to keep praying. Come on. I'm trying to help somebody right now. I'm going to keep believing God. I'm going to keep supporting. I'm going to keep sacrificing. I'm going to keep working for God. I'm going to keep serving in ministry. I'm not giving up. I'm not backing down. And I'm not going to turn around. 
know we don't need any brothers tearing people up with that tongue that you can bless God with and curse me with. Huh. Emotional, emotional scars are not as easy to defeat. They're not as easy to detect. A scar, would you agree with me here tonight that a scar is formed when a wound is healed? No matter what type of scar one might have, whether it's physical or emotional or, or spiritual, it can't be called a scar. Legitimately, you can't call it a scar unless there first was a wound that has been healed. There had to be a cut. There had to be a piercing. There had to be an accident. There had to be some type of abuse. There had to be some type of mental thing happened. There had to be some type of words that were spoken over you. There had to be some type of an affliction, something that cut on you and ate on you and tried to tear you down. There had to be something in your past or in your present that cut on you and hurt you from someone that you loved, maybe a brother or a sister, a mama, or a daddy somewhere in your past where it cut on you and it hurt you like you've never been hurt before. But it can't be, it cannot be a scar unless there first was a wound that had been healed. Praise God. And so here tonight, I've come to preach to you what scars speak. In our text, we find where Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with Jesus when he came. And to Thomas, Thomas needed some type of proof, some type of evidence that this truly was the Christ that had died. This truly was he that had hung on Golgotha, upon that hill, upon that cross, the place of the skull. It was he that Thomas wanted some type of clarification and identification that this was truly the one that he had ate with and spent time with for three and a half years of his earthly ministry. Thomas was evidently needed some type of, of confidence builder to identify that for surely this is he and it's not someone else. And so Thomas wanted to feel with his finger and he wanted to see the in the nail-scarred hands of Jesus Christ. It was even that Jesus told Mary. He said, Mary, do not touch me. He said, because I'm going to my brethren. Jesus was on a mission. He knew that Thomas would doubt him. He knew that Thomas wanted to see. He knew that Thomas wanted to feel. And so tonight, I've come with just three short, I hope they're short for your sake, three short messages of what scars would speak and what the Holy Ghost would want to say to this body of believers here tonight. And the first thing that I believe that that scar would show to Thomas, that Jesus would show him the print that was in his hand. If you'll just allow me a little bit of liberty here just to make three points about scars. I believe that that first scar that Jesus would show Thomas when Thomas would look at him 
and he he already identified to his brothers, uh, to his brethren, and to the disciples. Uh, except I see the print, and except I feel for myself, uh, I will not believe. And so now I see Jesus walking into the room where doubting Thomas is, beyond the closed door, right in the middle of where they're at. And he looks at Thomas and he says, "Listen," he said, "Thomas, I want you to reach thither thy finger." or hither thy finger. And so tonight, the first star that I want to speak to us here tonight, what it says is this. Thomas, the first thing I want you to know, that this scar in my hand is speaking to you that I have been healed. We hit that little bump. You want to talk more about your wounds. You want to talk more about your cuts. You want to talk more about your pain. You want to talk more about your past. You want to talk more about your problem than you do the healing that has been taking place in your life. My God, there's got to be a shift in your spirit here tonight where you start talking less about what you've been through and more about what God brought you out of. You got to get to a place in your life where you're starting, where you're not going to elevate the cut and elevate the wound and elevate the process. Hey, Thomas, I want you to reach thither. You feel that bump in my hand. You see where that scar tissue is. It's irregular. It's raised and it's pump. It's bumpy. It's not the rest. It's not like the rest of my flesh, Thomas. But Thomas, can you feel that right there? Thomas, that scar is saying something to you. You know what it's saying? Yes, Thomas, that's where the nail went in. Yes, Thomas, that's the initiation site where blood ran down my hand. Yes, Thomas, God, I feel the authority of the Holy Ghost in this house. Thomas, that was where that I was under excruciating pain. Thomas, it's where I hurt. It's where my tendons were pulled. It's where I couldn't hardly focus. But Thomas, look at it now. Do you hear it, Thomas? It's saying, I've been healed. I have been healed. I have been healed. I have been healed. I have been healed. It may have happened 10 years ago, but you got to start saying, I've been healed from it. I've been healed from it. It may have happened 12 years ago or six months ago, but you got to leave the place of the initiation site. Hey, and you got to start saying, that's where it was, but I've been healed. 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 Oh, I wish somebody praised the healer right now. I wish somebody praised the healer right now. I wish somebody praised the healer right now. You are a healer. You are a healer. I praise you. You are a healer. Woo! Yeah! You gotta reach in and feel. Sis, you gotta reach in. Elder, you gotta reach in and feel. It's right there. It's saying, I've been healed. No. Was it pretty going in? No. Was it easy? No. Was it difficult? Yes. Did it hurt? Yes. But now look at me, Thomas. I have been healed. I have been healed. 
I want to, I got to reach in, reach in, Thomas, feel, feel that right there, Thomas, it's right there, Thomas, that's where I was healed, that's where I was healed, hey, hey, somebody needs to help me right now, Jesus, never hear me right now, Jesus, never, he never, Jesus never showed off his wounds, he never showed off his hurts, he never showed off when he was bloody, but the only thing he showed off was a scar because he wanted him to know I've been healed I have he's not and we're made in his image and his likeness so why would you show off your spiritual wounds you need to start showing off your healing show off your healing show off your healing You can be seated. I got back in church when I was 14 years old. My mom was backslidden. My stepdad was backslidden. My stepfather was miserable because he wasn't living for God. His life was a wreck. I mean, they, it, was just, it was just stupidity, you know. Just people get offended. They get upset. They quit going to church. And before you know it, they're, they're just lost. They're just out there. And he's smoking cigarettes. Mom going to, to the, the bingo, gambling, casinos, and doing all that nonsense. And my sister was on drugs. And I got back in church at 14. And my stepdad, he's abusive. I remember him hitting on my mom and my sister pulling their hair out. I mean, it was just stupid stuff. He, he had a thing about throwing food and plates at supper time. He'd just go off being angry, being upset. I remember times going to my room. I'd just kind of go to God and pray and talk in tongues and kind of pray through it till all the abuse was done. And, and I remember him coming in and pushing me over the bed, making fun of me and saying, oh, I'm talking about a backslider that prayed through years ago, old time Pentecost, that was on fire for God. And now going through this as a teenager, Teenage boy dealing with this and, and the hurts and the abuse and all this kind of stuff. What do you do? You just plow through it and you keep on living for God and you just keep on trusting God. You can't you can't change some stuff. It's just it's It's just a part of the process sometimes. Good people do stupid things. Oh, years later, after all that, my mom and stepdad got divorced and my, my sister and all of them stayed out of church, and it's, it's a big mess. My sister got in for a little while, now she's back on drugs. It's just, it's just crazy. And years, got, years passed. I started preaching at 15. I'm in my mid-20s. I'm, I'm in my local home church, and my stepdad walks in the building while I'm preaching. That particular night, I'm preaching about forgiving others and forgiving, forgiving, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, and so on and so forth. My pastor was watching me because he knew all some of the history. And I watched my stepdad leave, leave the pew, come to the front, the altar, give his heart back, pray back through the Holy Ghost. It was a powerful thing. He caught me in the back of the church, that service in the foyer. He looked at me and he said, Shane, he said, I want you to know that I'm proud of you. And he started, you know what he was doing? He was like, he was like, a, it was like a wound repair, you know? It's like he was putting on the, the scar tissue and just adding more and adding more. I was in my 20s, newly married a couple years, and I was sitting back there, and I just started shaking and crying. I was crying like a baby. I went to the car crying. My wife's like, what in the world's wrong with you? You know, I, I'm, I cry sometimes in the presence of the Lord, but I'm not a big crier. And she, she was like, what's wrong with you? And I said, my stepdad just told me he was proud of me, and asked me to forgive him and so on and so forth you know what was happening my scar was starting to speak 
all the years of the abuse and all the nonsense and all the chaos that the enemy would like to use to destroy me, what, what, what he meant for evil, God meant for good, and he turned it around, and all of a sudden, that scar started speaking. I've been healed. I've been healed. I've been healed. I've been healed. It's amazing what words will do. My God, have mercy. Come on. Somewhere in this church, there's an intricate family that something has happened somewhere, and it's caused all kinds of division and hurt and chaos and confusion. But I'm telling you tonight, it's time to let some stuff go. It's time to forgive them. It's time to let them go. So healing, so my God, it's time to tell the wound to shut up and the scar to start speaking. It's time to tell the wound no more so the scar can start screaming, I've been healed. I've been healed. I've been healed. I have been healed. Hallelujah. A few years ago, I got a call. Got a call from my, my aunt's mama, who is an apostolic pastor's wife. Her and her husband had started churches, home mission churches, awesome people. They've recently both passed away, just pioneers. Phone call. God, it was about four or five years ago. She's crying on the phone. She starts relating to me a story about her grandson, which is my cousin, Jaron. And in the, in the story... Uh, what happened was that Jaron went to a hotel and with three of his buddies and I think three of his buddies that night to go get high, to party, to do all kinds of crazy things. And my aunt called him and said, please, please don't go. Just let me come get you and bring you home. No, mama, I'll be okay. Well, that night they got high. I don't know if there was something laced in the, in the, in the heroin, if it was uh, fentanyl. It was a big deal of people dying of all the fentanyl and all the stuff going on. And anyways, his, his brother-in-law was with him. His sister's husband was with him in the room where they were getting high. His sister, Lacey, was in jail from drugs. So Jaron, 24 years old, handsome guy, good-looking dude. I mean, just could be super talented, never married, didn't have any children. Just, you know, he's a, his grandpa's a pioneer, a Pentecostal pastor, has all the potential in the world. And he's there in the hotel. They left him. He dies. He passes away. I left, I went, had to preach the funeral. You should have seen the funeral packed out. I watched his, I watched his backsliders after backsliders walk by the casket. I watched him stop to my aunt who had been in church for many, many years, still is in church. Great impact on my life. My uncle and my aunt, great impact on my life. I watched her look in the faces of backsliders after backsliders. And this is what she said. She said, you know what you need to do. You know what you need to do. You know what you need to do. I watched that was such a movie, and it's difficult. One of the most hardest things I've ever done was walk in that jail and face his sister between that thick plexiglass window, and we had to tell her that Jaron had passed away from drugs. You should have seen her grab her hair, pulling her hair, screaming in that jail, slapping that plexiglass over and over and over, saying, I do she said, we got high together, and we should have died together, and it should have been him, should have been me and not him. Oh! and over and over preach that funeral and see her husband or her fiance at the time I don't think they were married yet he was with her brother when he passed away and they left the scene and didn't do anything to save him so you can imagine in the family there was there was major major anger and major hurt between many of the family members towards Lacey's fiance her husband that was with Jaron when he died the guy showed up at the funeral. He showed up. Some of the family rushed him out of the building, threatened to whip him, kill him. My uncle wanted to kill him. My uncle wanted to kill the guy. 
because he's lost his only son. And perhaps they could have done something about it. But they got so high, left the scene. It was a mess. My uncle, my uncle, uh, about a year later, I was, everybody all right? I'm trying, I'm trying to hurry. About a year later, I went to visit my aunt and uncle. I show up at their house. We're sitting there hanging out. And the doorbell rings. My cousin Lacey's out of jail. She's married to the guy that was with her brother when he died. They had a little baby girl, a little infant. I mean, time overnight, just things happen like that. I'm sitting there. I watch, I watch Ricky walk in the room. I watch my uncle get up. My uncle went over and hugged him and loved him, called him son. And I'm sitting back there in the chair going, what in the world has happened between that funeral and now? My uncle wanted to kill him, and now he's embracing him. It blew my mind. My uncle was struggling in church. He wasn't doing really well in church. He was struggling. When they left, I get to digging around. I said, hey, Uncle Brian, tell me something. Tell me why in the world that you were so kind to him and what happened, what different. He said, he said, nephew, he said, I was in my living room praying, asking God to forgive me of some stuff I had done. He said, when I did, the Holy Ghost spoke to me and said, why would I forgive you when you won't forgive Ricky? God have mercy. Hi, about two years, uh, two years ago, my uncle fell over dead on the front porch at, at my aunt's mom and dad's house. I preached his funeral. Ricky was on the front row. You know what I preached in that service? I preached what my uncle taught me. He taught me the power of forgiveness. I watched a Ricky in the middle of that funeral shake and cry and bawl as I ministered in that funeral under the power of the Holy Ghost. How it's critically important that we learn to forgive others. Somebody hear me tonight in the Holy Ghost. You need to quit talking about the abuse and quit talking about the pain because it's causing things in your life that are out of control because you won't let stuff go. Bitterness will eat you up. It'll cause you all kinds of physical chaos. It'll cause you all kinds of emotional mess. It'll mess your kids up. It'll mess your marriage up. It'll mess your family up. But forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive me of my trespasses as I forgive men of their trespasses. Trespasses. I have been healed. My uncle was screaming a message to me. He was preaching a message to me when he embraced Ricky in that house. He was saying, I've been healed, boy. I'm showing you what healing's like. I'm showing you what forgiveness is like. I'm showing you what mercy is like. I may only be preaching to a few folks, but I hope I'm helping somebody tonight. Come on, I have been healed. I know you don't want to deal with it, but you got to. I know you don't want to face it, but you got to. Your children need you to face it. Your family needs you to face it. You've got to deal with it. I have been healed. Oh, this can't be the will of God. It can't be the will of God. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 18. In everything give thanks. Somebody hear the word of the Lord. In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God concerning you. Come on, your scars have to speak. Jesus, let Thomas know you've been healed. Brother, let your sister know you've been healed. Mama, let your children know you've been healed. Daddy, 
Let your, let your nephew know that you've been healed. I have been healed. Wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. Thomas, I, I have another one that I, I want to see. Thomas, if you'll, if you'll look right there, Thomas. If, if you'll, there, Thomas, put, put your finger right there. You see that print? Thomas, can you hear it? I know, I know you wanted to feel it, and I know you wanted to see it, but Thomas, I feel like it's got a message for you, Thomas. I feel like it's got something to say to you. Thomas, I feel like that you need to know I did this, and I went through this just for you. Thomas, that second word that Scar is speaking is this, I can help others. I can help others. Thomas, I didn't do it for myself. I did it for you. I did it for those to come. Thomas, I didn't die for my own good. I said, not my will, but your will be done. I had to make myself. I had to take my own cross. I had to carry it to the point I couldn't carry it anymore. And Simon had to help me carry it to Golgotha. But Thomas, I want you to know I did it so I can help others. I did it. Come on, my my hurt was not meant for me to blame God. What I've went through is so I can help somebody else. What I've endured is so I can be a blessing to somebody. Somebody lift your hands and praise this great God. supposed to take me out, but it didn't. I'm still here so I can help somebody else. I thought the enemy was going to get me with that cut. I thought the enemy was going to take, and the devil looks back and says, man, I thought I had him. I thought for sure, because if they'd have known that they was crucifying the Lord of glory, they'd have never known it. But in ignorance, they allowed him to be crucified. And he walked in death. He walked in hell, and he got the keys to death, hell, and the grave. If they'd have known it, if the princes of that world would have known who Jesus and what he was doing and what he was up to. They had tried to stop it, but they couldn't stop it because he was doing it for us. He was doing it for your children and doing it for their children. You know, my scar is saying, it's, uh, I'm still alive, nanny, nanny, boo, boo. I'm still here because I can help you. I'm still here. I went through it. I've been through it. I went through the storm, but the storm didn't get me. I went through the fire, and the fire didn't burn me up. I survived. I'm preaching to somebody right now. You just got out of a trial, and you look back and say, man, that was difficult, but he brought me out. He brought me out. He brought me out. He or some of you ain't going to shout no matter what I say, but you ought to be thankful. Such were some of you, but he brought you out. He brought you up out of a miry clay. He brought you out of a miry clay. Come on, your bad time right now is nothing compared to what it was for you. What you're dealing with right now is nothing compared to how it used to be. It was far worse back then than it is right now. Come on, your best day in the world is no comparison to the worst day in the church because you need to understand that the blessing of the Lord is upon your life. It was pain first and price first. 
but it was blessing second when he said, I can do it because I can help somebody else. <laughs> Thomas, I was with you three and a half years, and you couldn't believe that it was me. Thomas, I spent three and a half years with you, and you couldn't believe that it was me. You wanted to see, and you wanted to feel. Thomas, what three and a half years with you could not do, one moment with a scar did. Thomas, I couldn't convince you that I was he, that I would come, I would die, and I would rise again on the third day. Some of them believed that on the third day he was going to rise again. Even Joseph of Arimathea wanted to make sure to take care of the Lord's body, gave him his tomb to borrow for three days because he was convinced on the third day he would rise again. But Thomas wanted to feel and Thomas wanted to see. But Jesus, Jesus is the one that could have healed the wound and left no scar, but he left a scar so Thomas could see that he was still alive and it was he that was pierced it was he that was wounded it was he that died and shed blood for him I can I can help others so what you've went through is so vital vital critically important because you're going to help somebody else go through it you've got the t-shirt buddy you've been there you've done that but you've survived it you can do it because now you can help others. You can say, man, I know I, I've been right where you've been. I've walked where you've walked. I've faced what you face. But let me just tell you, I, I'm still here and I, I can help you. Because my scar, my scar is speaking. My scar is speaking. You know what's happening as I'm preaching right now? There's layers of healing that's coming to this body. There's layers of it. You say, I can't see it. You ain't got to see it. It's happening. You don't sit there and watch a scar develop on your hand. You look at it one day, be like, yep, it's healing. Come the next day, yep, it's getting a little better. And all of a sudden, the scar tissue starting to develop. And it may not always look the same and not always feel the same. But you know what I've learned about scars is I can take the scar on my leg that I told you about when I started a few moments ago. I can slap it. I can scratch it. I can hit it. And guess what? It feels no different than the rest of the part of my body. The pain that had happened years ago, I no longer have pain. When it, the initiation side of what happened, you may have a little arthritis every now and then, but that scar tissue, it's not in pain probably more than likely like it was when you first initiated that scar tissue or that wound in your life. Your life is a testimony to those that are with us and those that are no longer with us. People are watching you. They are watching and anticipating what will happen in your life. They see what you go through. I watched my own Sunday school teacher who lost her son on a Friday and in a tragic oil field accident. I watched her walk in the church building. She was a worshiper like nobody's business. I watched her walk in the church, and I remember thinking, I wonder if Sister Regina is going to praise God like she's always praised God. She just lost her son. I watched her walk in the back door. I watched her come in. The worship started service, and guess what she did? She had a certain way she worshiped. You know, everybody's got their certain way. Whether you do the sprinkler or whatever you do or however way you worship, 
worship God. But she had this certain way where she'd kind of do this and praise and worship God like this. I looked over at that woman that had just faced tragedy and a tragic accident of a very young, healthy son. You know what I learned? I learned there's not enough tragedy that can stop a true worshiper. There's not enough pain. There's not enough suffering. There's not enough in your past that can stop you from being a worshiper. Because no matter what's going on here, he still looks good to me. No matter what I'm going through down here, he's still amazing to me. Oh, I wish I had about 10 of you that would stand to your feet and magnify the Lord. That you would exalt the Lord in this house right now. Give him glory. Somebody say, I've been healed. Somebody say, I can help others. Somebody say, I've been healed. Somebody say, I can help others. Thomas, I want you to reach to your hand into my side. I want you, come here, Brother Matthew, come help me. I want you to reach thither. You're not Thomas, but you're Matthew. Come here, Matthew. I want you to reach thither into my side. I want you to get that. I want you to get that right there and kind of pull that off. Thomas, you see that right there? You know what that's saying? Thomas, it's got a word for you. You know what it's saying? It's saying, I have survived. That's what it's saying. I have survived. I survived because my God, because when they put that spear into my side, I was already dead and I was already gone. But I, I let him, my God, I could have stopped him even though I was dead. I could have sent an angel to stop the piercing into my side. But Thomas, I kept it for you because I wanted you not to put your finger, but to thrust your hand into a big gash to let you know I survived the gash. I survived the piercing. I survived the crown of thorns. I survived the whipping on my back. I survived the spit on my face. I survived all the pain and all the process. I survived it all and I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. I wish somebody say I survived. I wish somebody say I survived. I wish somebody say I have survived. Can you imagine Joseph in the land of Egypt now second to Pharaoh full Houses and storehouses full of corn. Can you imagine him? I'm almost done. Can you imagine him? Can you imagine him looking afar and seeing his brothers coming and then, then understanding there come a point in time because those brothers were hungry. He could no longer hide his true identity. And Joseph, a type of Christ, had to manifest himself to those hungry brothers and let those brothers know, I'm Joseph, the one you threw in the pit, the one you left for dead. And those brothers, the Bible said in Genesis, 
were even scared of his presence, Brother Green. They didn't want to be in the presence of Joseph because they thought Joseph was going to annihilate them for what they did to him, throwing him in the pit and selling him. He tried to explain to him, to those brothers, listen, don't worry about it. It's okay. He said, because what you've meant for evil, God's meant for good. This is what he said in Genesis chapter 50 and verse number 20. He said, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to save much people alive. He said, listen, he said, now therefore fear you not. I will nourish you and your little ones. And he comforted them. Can I tell you here tonight that if you'll let your scar speak, it'll bless you. It'll bless your little ones and you'll be comforted. Come on, Joseph. I'm sorry what's happened to you. Come on, Joseph. I'm sorry what you're going through. But Joseph, you need to know something. You survived it. And what they meant for evil, God's meant for good. And you're still here. And you're still alive. And if they wouldn't have done that to you, you wouldn't even be here in the first place. If they wouldn't have sold you, you wouldn't have corn to sell in Egypt. If they wouldn't have left you to die and deceived your daddy and lied to your daddy that you was dead, it would never put you from the pit to the palace. But Joseph, I let the wound come so the scar could speak. Joseph, I let the brothers treat you like that so the words of salvation could come to your family. Put your hands on my side. Thomas, what's your response? My Lord and my God. Nay, in all these things, Romans chapter 8, verse 37 and 38. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded, neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Mary, don't touch me, because Thomas needs to feel, and Thomas needs to see. Tonight, the Holy Ghost has sent me to Austin, Texas, to preach this message to this beautiful crowd of people. Your response has been great, but it's time for healing to sweep across this sanctuary. It's time for wounds to become scars. It's time for the past to be healed into the present. Where God wants to take you, you cannot go with a bleeding wound and an oozing sore. You must tonight be healed. Be healed. I want you to stand with me all over the house. Lift your hands with me and lift your voice and begin to call on the name of Jesus all over this house. Would you do that?
want you to start forgiving people right now before we go any further. If you don't want to pray, you don't have to pray. If you don't want to stand, you don't have to stand. You don't have to be healed. If you don't want to deal with it, you want to hold on to it and be bitter, you can do that. It's your choice. But God, God wants to heal. Come on, God wants to heal in this house. I want you to right now, whoever hurts you, whatever's happened to you that's caused you to be cut on as Joseph was, I want you to say, Jesus, I forgive them tonight. Come on. I want you to let there be a cry out. Let there be a cry out. Come on, let there be a cry out all over this house. Jesus, I forgive and I release them. I let them go. I'm not carrying it anymore. I know you're uncomfortable, but it's good. It was uncomfortable for Joseph. It was uncomfortable for his brothers. But the result of that discomfort was God was positioning Israel in the land of Goshen. Come on. There's a Goshen that God wants you to step into. Somebody let your voice out all over this house. Forgive them. God, I forgive them. I let it go. I release it to you. Yeah, I know they did it to me, God, but I'm, I'm going to let them go tonight, and I'm going to walk away a free person. Come on, don't worry about what anybody else is doing. You just focus on Jesus right now. Come on, Thomas, put your finger in his hand. Come on, Thomas, thrust your hand into his side. Come on, let, let Jesus love on you. Beautiful. Let Jesus do it for you tonight. you to come. Tonight is a night of healing for you. It's a night where you can be healed. It's a night where you can be touched. There's others. Why are you waiting? Come. 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 You say, well, I thought I was over. No, you're probably not yet. You need to come and be healed. Come and let the power of God change your life. Let the Holy Ghost minister to you tonight. Go ahead. That sounds of healing.
get a hold of God. Come on, church, push right now. Push in the name of Jesus. Push beyond tonight. Go a little further. Dig a little deeper tonight. Listen to me just for a moment. I'm going to give you some instructions, directions here. This is the way this revival is going to go. We're going to have altar calls and moves of God, but we're not going to just plug in quickly and be done and leave. We're going to flow in the Holy Ghost and the altar call. So I'm going to be seeking God, filling after God, seeking for a word from the Lord, direction to direct us, okay? So when we come and respond, don't tap out. Don't be done. I prayed. Some of you prayed 10 minutes. That's awesome. But the Holy Ghost moves in waves. It comes and it goes. And so we're going to flow in that. So I want to challenge you. Trust me enough to take you some places in the Spirit. Trust me enough. I'm not doing this for my own plight, my own good, my own, my own ego. I'm just feeling after God. I'm trying to take you to places. But if you don't want to go, I can't make you go. But I'll do whatever I can to get us there. I'll push. I'll pry. I'll command. I'll pray. I'll do whatever I got to do. This is what the Holy Ghost said to me. I've never had the Holy Ghost tell me this ever. This is what he said. He said, their pain is not like treasure that you go dig back up. Mm. 
If there's something of value, something that you want to go have been buried, you go looking for it, you find it, you dig it up, you find it so you can get it and have access to it. You can hold it. You can have it. You can sell it. You can use it to barter, to exchange, to do something. Your pain and what you've went through is not like treasure. God has paid the price for your pain. He was wounded for your transgression. He was bruised for your iniquities. He's paid the price for your sin. He's paid the price. Everything you've went through, he's went through it. The man Christ Jesus has endured and went through everything that you could ever face. So why are you digging it back up? Why are you digging it back up? There comes a point. I remember Bishop Haney said it this way. He said, there comes a point in time where you've got to stop licking your wounds and start thanking God for healing your wounds. you got to. And that's where this body is. I want to I I dig it up. I want to try to find it. Man, I know where it happened. I, I remember where it was, but, man, I just... Well, there comes a point in time where you've said it enough, you've exposed it enough, you've talked about it enough, you got to start saying, you know, maybe I don't have my healing yet, but I'm thanking God it's coming. I'm going to praise Him. It's on the way. Because this is what we're going to do. So I feel to do. This is what we're going to do. If you need a miracle, whether healing, you need, there's a mountain in front of you. You need it to be removed. You've tried everything. You're like the woman with the issue of blood. You've done everything you know to do. She did everything she knew to do. She spent all of her money. She went to every physician. She did everything. But the Bible says she just got worse. You think you'd get better, but you got worse. Think you'd get better, but you got worse. Think you got better, but you got worse, 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 worse. And then she said within herself, if I can just touch the hem of his garment. One man said, if I could get a hold of his H-E-M I can get a hold of the H-I-M. If I can just touch the hem of his garment, I'm going to be made whole. And that's where people in this room are here tonight. I can't preach straight enough. I can't preach it good enough. I can't articulate it good enough. You've got to get desperate enough that you say, I'm not leaving where I am until I get what I need from God in this service. I'm not begging because I don't have to beg my father to do anything. Somebody needs to start praying kingdom prayers. Give us this day our daily bread. Oh, God, please provide for me. Please, please, Lord, I need you. I need you. No, no. Give us this day our daily bread. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Let me tell you, it's not God's will, and it will never be God's will for there to be sickness in heaven. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven making any sense right now. So I'm trying to get you to change your position on prayer. Quit begging, quit pleading, and just start saying, God, you love me. I'm believing you to do it for me tonight, tonight, tonight. I'm believing for you to do it for me right here because you're big enough. You're awesome. You're amazing. You are my healer. Come on. You want the mountain to be removed? I want you to speak to the mountain. I want you to tell. He said, if you got the faith of a grain of a mustard seed, you can speak to the mountain and command it to go. It'll be removed and cast. Come on, somebody. Tonight is your night for your miracle and for your healing. So I want you to do, I want you to back out of the altar area. Just kind of take three or four steps back. 
I only want, I only want desperate people that are saying, you know what, I, I'm at the point where I don't care what people think about me. I don't care who's here or who's not here. I don't care if it's pastor preaching or evangelist preaching. I don't care who's singing. I'm at the point tonight where I'm desperate for something to break. I'm desperate for my life to be changed. I need a moment with a closed door where Jesus shows right in the midst and say, here I am, feel and see. It's me. Somebody hear me in the Holy Ghost. You're going through things right now, and you're saying, I can't find God. And surely, and you're, you're even at the place of temptation where you're blaming God for what you're going through. Very dangerous, dark, difficult place. But tonight, if your desperation can supersede the darkness, and your desperation can push beyond what you went through and say, you know what? I'm ready to leave this place differently than I came. When you come in faith saying, come on, you've been in services where you can mark the spot and said, I was right there, and that's where God gave me the Holy Ghost. I was right there where I felt a call of God to preach. Places matter. There are, there, there are moments and there are places in this house where God does the supernatural. It's not, about the, it's not about the carpet. It's about where the position you get in with God, and it happens to be that place in the building where you get in alignment with God. And you say, God, not my will, but your will be done, but I'm ready for something to change. I'm ready for something to shift. I'm tired of the enemy beating me up and lying to me and deceiving me and telling me that it's never going to change. Tonight, I'm speaking faith, and I'm believing God. Something's turning. Something's moving. Something's shifting. Something. God, that, that wound that I kept picking, I'm going to start praising you for healing it. That, that treasure that I kept digging up in my heart, it's not a treasure, God. You've dealt with my pain, and tonight, I believe it for my miracle, and tonight, I believe it for my healing. Receive it now in the name of Jesus Christ. Come on. Somebody, you can get what you need from God tonight. Come on, I'm after desperate people. I want you to run up here. I want you to lift your hands. I want you to believe God. Come on, I want you to believe God that tonight is your night. Desperation and hunger. Hunger. I'm hungry. The rest of us stretch your hands toward these beautiful people. Would you stretch your hands and pray right now in the Holy Ghost? you to stretch your hands and pray in the Holy Ghost. God, I want you to do the miraculous right now. I want you to do the miraculous right now. God, you are a healer. I command healing to come over you. Receive healing right now. Be healed right now in the name of Jesus. God, I'm trusting you for it. God, I believe in you for it, Lord. I believe in you for it, Lord. Through the crowd, press your way through the crowd. 
Jesus, if I could just get a hold of the hem of your garment. Jesus, if I could just touch you one more time. Jesus, if I could just have you. Jesus, I need you tonight. Jesus, I need you to move the mountain tonight. Jesus, I need you to calm the storm tonight. Jesus, I need you to speak a word in my life. Even the musicians and singers, y'all can stop playing. I want you to lift your hands with me in a sign of surrender all over the house, from the front to the back, whether you're sitting or standing, whether you're physically able. If you're resting and you can't stand, I respect that. You don't have to. But all over the house, I want you to lift your hands right now. Lord Jesus, I believe we've reached a critical moment in this service. I believe that, God, we've reached a critical moment in this house right now. I believe that, Lord, all things work together for the good. I pray that you have set up the moment. You have set up the time and space on this Saturday night to do the miraculous. God, you're wanting to move wounds to scars. You're wanting, God, that which is oozing and the bruising to dissipate, Lord, the blueness of the wound to go away. I pray that now in the name of Jesus, I pray with a body of believers that stand worshiping before me, Lord. I ask, oh God, as your man, I ask, oh God, by your blood and by your name and by the authority of your word, I ask that you would touch every believer now. I pray that you would touch their bodies with healing. Let miracles come and happen. Let God things begin to shift in their families. Let marriages begin to be repaired right now. Let teenage daughters and teenage sons begin to respond to the power of the Holy Ghost right now. Let there be a roar of hunger. Let there be a cry of victory. Let there be a shout of praise that comes off of our lips tonight. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. Come on. Let your scars speak now. Come on. Let your scars speak now. Let your scar begin to speak now. Come on. Your wounds have screamed loud enough. Your pain has talked long enough. It's time for your scars to speak. It's time for your scars to speak. Shatayana la bahasa, la 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 la
church. There's apostolic ministry here. Obey the Holy Ghost. That's it. Obey the Holy Ghost. You can pray with one another. You can reach over and minister to somebody. There's healing in ministry. There's ministry here that brings healing. Come on, obey the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, don't be afraid to lift your voice. Don't be afraid to cry loud and spare not. Don't be afraid to cry loud and spare not. some of you men start walking these aisles, waving your hands of victory and praise. Well, some of you men start walking the aisles, praying in the Holy Ghost. Come on, come on, let's do this thing together tonight. Let there be a break in the Holy Ghost in this house. That's it, just walk the aisles, saying I've been healed. Walk the aisles, say I'm a worshiper. Walk the aisles, talking in tongues, praying in the Holy Ghost, praying in the authority and the power of the name of Jesus. That's it, elders, that's it, men. Come on, young men. Come on, daddy. Come on. Let's just pray together. Let's believe God for a breakthrough in the spirit. That's it, men. Go ahead. Just do what you feel in the Holy Ghost. That's it. It'll help break something open. It'll help break something open. Get out of your comfort zone. That's it. Move around a little bit. Let the Holy Ghost flow through you. Reach over and pray for somebody when you walk by them. Reach over and minister to somebody when you walk by them. Let the Holy Ghost be a conduit of the Spirit right now. Be a conduit of the Holy Ghost right now.
Lift your hands and let's thank the Lord for what he's done in this house all over the place, would you? Would you thank him right now in the name of Jesus? Let's just thank the Lord together. Come on, let's just thank him. The Bible says in everything, give thanks. Let's just thank him. And we're not, we're not going to sit around and even worry about what God didn't do. We're going to focus on what God did do. Come on, let's praise him for what he did do. Let's worship him for what he did do in this house. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Receive it now. Come on, clap your hands. Let's end with victory tonight. Let's end with worship and adoration to God tonight. There's healing for a marriage in this house, and I'm going to make it easy for you. If you're by your spouse, just grab her hand and throw it in the air. Come on, if you're by your husband or wife and you're with them right now, just grab that hand, throw it up in the air. Lord, tonight in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray there'd be healing flow to marriages in this house. Every lie of hell that people have believed lies, that maybe that they thought somewhere in their past that they've done something to hurt them or said something about each other, it's a lie. You're convinced that your husband and don't love you anymore, that's a lie. You convince your spouse doesn't care about you anymore, that's a lie. I pray that healing would come right now to young marriage. Healing would come to middle-aged marriage all over this house. I speak healing over your families, over your marriages in the name of Jesus. I bind every lie, and I bind it back in the pits of hell tonight. Let truth prevail. Come on. God gave you, that's a gift. Marriage is a gift. Your spouse is a gift. They're a blessing to you and not a curse. They're a strength to you and not a weakness. They're a joy to you and not unhappiness. Quit letting the devil divide your home. Quit letting the devil divide your marriage. There is healing tonight for your home. There's healing tonight for your marriage. Come on and praise him right now for it. I want you to praise him right now for it. I want you to turn to your spouse. I think I'm done after this. I'm going to give it back to pastor. Turn to your spouse, and I want you to mean it. And you may have not even done anything or said anything, but for the sake of unity of the body and this revival, look them in the eye and say, honey, I'm sorry. Uh, please forgive me. Anything I've done, I've said, I made a mistake. Come on. And let not just be words. Let it be from your heart. Listen, I want, I want to be repaired. I want to be whole with you. I don't want anything between me and you. You know what's happening right now? There's healing taking place right now. Because your words can bring healing to each other. 
Isn't this awesome? Look at some of these couples. They're laughing and cutting up and joy and loving on each other. I've seen them hugging. What that is, that's healing. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Anybody lost your joy lately? Be honest with me. Anybody lost your joy? The Bible said, with joy shall you draw the wells of salvation. The joy of the Lord is your strength. It's, this is, kingdom is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's why David said, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. If you've lost your joy, start thanking God that you're saved. Start thanking God that you've been buried in the name of Jesus. Come on, the devil strip you of your joy. Start thanking God you got the Holy Ghost. You've been born again of the water and the Spirit. Come on, let's, let's stand all over the house. Let's rejoice in the Lord. Pastor Green, come. Come on, let's rejoice in the Lord all over. Thank you, Jesus. Can I have all the men come up, please, before we go? We just want to pray over all the men real quick. This is going to be a great revival. You can already tell God's going to do some great things. Amen. I need the men's help. I need all you guys that just partner with me to this revival. God's going to bless and use us. So every, every man, I know we're in Austin and some are confused, but we can work that out too. We'll figure that out. I'm not going to tell you how we're going to figure it out, but we'll, we'll figure it out. All the men, come on up. We're going to bind together. All the men, come on up, everybody. If you're a member of our church, please come on up. Wives, you've got to send them on. Y'all can kiss again later when y'all go home. Y'all can. I'll, I'll send them back to you, trust me. All the guys, come on up. Man, when he was preaching, Brother, Brother Burns, when you were preaching tonight, I, I know about all that, you know, scars and. And I thought, man, as guys, we hide it better than ladies. Sometimes when a guy's preaching, the ladies are over there crying and the guys are just staring. But, but I, I know, I know what it's like to be that guy that deep inside, that I was crying on the inside. But you, have, you feel like you got to maintain that stigma. And your wife's over there crying and you're just trying to keep it in, keep it all together. But this message was for us too tonight. In fact, most of us guys don't get healed because we just hold it all in. And we're dying inside. And, and the symptoms are, I want to get alone. The symptoms are, I don't want to talk. The symptoms are, I just, yeah, I want to isolate. I just want to go work a lot, be busy. Those are the symptoms of us needing healing. And, and we feel like we can't cry. And I, I am a crier. I didn't know I was a crier, but I am a crier. He said he wasn't a crier. I'm a crier. That's, that's my thing. So I didn't know I was. But, but we, we, have to, we have to deal with this too, guys. This is not a woman's subject. When he said the word emotion, half of y'all are just like, well, that's not me. No. We, we have to deal with this brokenness too. It's not a woman thing. It's, it's a man thing. We, we face, we're just, we're human just like our, our wives, just like women. We're human and we hurt. We just show it differently. The responsibility on your shoulders as a man, as a leader, is great. And when, when, we get, when we let down, when we make mistakes, no one hurts like we do. Because we, we have the devil come in our ear and say, you were supposed to do better. No one hurts like we do. And so I just, I felt that tonight, and I just wanted us to bind together, and I'm with you guys in this. I, I, I want to make sure we're all healed, okay? I want to make sure we're healed. And you don't have to cry. All right, let's get that out of the way. 
I want to make sure we've accepted this for us. And we're, we've dealt with our past. We've dealt with the skeletons in our closet, the things that have done, been done to us. Just because, in fact, some of you guys are tough because you've been so hurt. So, so let me just speak to the tough guys here. It's sometimes you, a tough guy was born out of adversity. And that's not what God really wants from you. So if you're tough tonight, that doesn't mean that's where God wants you. He wants you to be soft, open, okay, a worshiper. And men can't worship in a church unless they've been healed. And, and I've noticed women can worship good, but men, unless we're dancing and we're free and we're able to shout and move, we haven't been healed right. And we don't have a lot of men that lead in worship at our church, and I think it's because we have to go address those things that are holding us back from being, in, for being insecure, for having pride. We need to get rid of all that. We need healing too. There are men in this place you were abused. There are men in this place you were hurt. You have issues. It's not just a woman thing. And I felt tonight before we leave that we just got to get right tonight, okay? So, ladies, you pray for us because I know you love us. Guys, will you just lift your voice and will you pray that God can help us to have healing as men, man healing, menly, manly healing tonight? Right now, we take authority over every man. As the leader of this church, God, I submit myself to you. I know that I have had so many things you've had to dig out of me, so many memories of my past, so many things that have happened I didn't realize. And I don't want to hide them anymore. I don't want to act like I haven't been affected. I don't want to pretend that I haven't made mistakes and I haven't held grudges. In the name of Jesus, as the men of this church, we want freedom and liberty to shout and to run and to praise and to smile and to laugh and to have joy in our lives and our marriages. God, I release, I loose these men right now from condemnation, from condemnation of the enemy and the lie of the enemy that tries to beat up men in this hour and degrade them and devalue them in the name of Jesus Christ right now, Lord. I speak against it. We are men of God chosen for war, chosen to fight, chosen to lead. God, we didn't choose this gender. You chose this gender. You picked us to be born this way and we will walk in the places that you have called us to walk in we are your people we are your men jesus and we release ourselves tonight we want healing we want healing god go deep inside our hearts and pull it out so that we can reveal it we can heal it and never deal with it again let it be a scar let it be a scar when we see it in the name of jesus we will hold no grudges we will hold no grudges. We will have no bitterness. Thank you, Lord. Women, women get real loud when they're bitter, and they get real sour. Men get real quiet, and they get real isolated. And a church full of quiet men is, is not the will of God. I'm telling you right now in the Holy Ghost, a church full of quiet men is not the will of God. I've been quiet before. I've been embarrassed in church before. I know what I'm talking about right now. And, and I wasn't right when I was quiet. But when we can be loud, we're not showing out. It's a sign of victory. It's a sign of power and victory. When we can dance for the Lord and lift our voices and say amen when he's preaching, it's a sign of freedom and liberty. It's a sign that we know who we are. Thank you guys for joining with me. I really felt that. And I want you to know that I respect you. Look at me. I respect you guys. You guys are champions. You hear me? I'm in the Holy Ghost right now. You're champions. I respect you. You mean a lot to me, and you mean a lot to God. And the devil's lied to you. He's lied to all of us. 
saying that we're nothing. It's a lie. As long as you're in this church, I'm going to champion men, not because you're better than women, but because your wives are praying to God, I do this right now, because they want the best version of you. Isn't that right, ladies? They want the best version of you. Okay? So I respect you. You're hardworking men, but you're also spiritual men. You're men that can work in the gifts of the Spirit. You're men that can love. That's a, that's a man word. We're commanded to love our wives. Men are commanded to love. That's who you are. That's who you are. And I believe in you and I'm for you. And I will never, ne never let any voice come against you and speak otherwise. You're more than someone that just makes money. You're a man of God. And that's the way I see you. And that's the expectations I have for you. And we're going to make it together. So, guys, this is, we need each other. Listen, don't get quiet. Don't isolate. We need each other. Chances are pretty good. Somebody besides you right now has gone through it too. I know you want to act like nobody has, but chances are pretty good. Whatever you're facing, somebody here has already faced. We're in this together. And you are respected at this church. You're not second class. I don't care what society says. You're respected at this church. It is, hey, I don't care what ladies say. You're still respected in this church. Okay? They're going to get mad, and we're going to have to make it right. But you're still a man of God. And you got to look in the mirror and say that. Sometimes we make mistakes. I have too. i got to make it right with my wife. But at the end of the day, I'm still a man of God. I refuse to be that guy the devil wants me to be and just cower out. So I respect you. I believe in you. And we're going to be a strong men for God in this church. And it's going to be a powerful revival. And we need your help. And, and you know what? I don't, want, I don't want this preacher to have to say nobody's with me. At least, guys, can we be with him? All right? Be loud. Say amen. Stand up. All of that. Because I know the lady folks are with us. They're always with us. But, but guys, we're going to do it. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be powerful. And you watch something break powerfully with you guys right here with us at the front, okay? You're with us in Jesus' name. Thank you, Brother Burns. We love you, and we're so thankful for you coming to minister. Wow, I can't wait for tomorrow. Woo! Bishop, we love you. Would you come pray uh, covering over us tonight? Everybody love your bishop. We love Bishop Stevens. God, we eternally thank you for your glory and your mercy. Thank you for the preaching of the Word of God. It can operate, it can cut out anything that shouldn't be there and at the same time sew it up and mend it. Thank you tonight for what we've heard. Thank you for the meaning of a scar. Thank you for reminding us, God, that we're overcomers because we're able to overcome our hurts and our pain. Don't ever let us get so callous, God, that we forget that you're still God in all of our lives. Bless us tonight. Go with us. Thank you again for your awesome word tonight. Cover us in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 We'll see you in the morning, 10 o'clock. Normal service at 10. Everybody be here at 10 o'clock. Normal schedule, classes, all of that. Revival's going to be great. Let's come. Bring somebody. It's going to be powerful in Jesus' name. God bless you. We love you.